and 2019 in an era of replay, like what? We can't get this right. Like seriously, <laughs> how are just shots not reviewed? Yeah, just straight up like the point of the game. Like, <laughs> like you're telling me that someone in like whatever NBA headquarters that they're, they're all watching this game is like, man, we're just gonna leave our refs out to dry on this one. Yeah, that's tough. And like, I was listening to you know other reports and podcasts about this. It's like, I don't know. What they really call? Like, did they say like he missed the dunk? Did they? Because there was a report for a while. Like, did they think it was basket interference? Like, mm-hmm. the ball came down and then went back up through it. Like, but like it never came all the way through. Or like, and they just kind of said no basket. I think on the official report, like he just missed the dunk. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. To me, it's like it's one of those very rare instances where you can't maybe tell in the real time that the ball went in. But again, yeah, right. All these dudes sitting in Secaucus like can't just like call down and be like, "Hey, he made that." <laughs> you know, the same way it'd be like if they made a two or a three, like yeah. if it was on the line. Like, can't we get somebody in there to be like, "Hey, no, it was a three, or or no, the toe was on the line." Like, just say like, "Yeah, give them the points." It's just like how many refs are there like per game? Like watching this three, thing? four, and like there. we're still like. Still struggling to get some of the basic things right, and like, I, I ultimately like. I guess I understand the Rock Rockets being upset, but also like I don't know, maybe play some defense toward the end of the game and not let you can't Lonnie say they're, Walker yeah, scored nineteen oh points God, in the fourth quarter. Dude was balling, but yeah, like you can't say they didn't miss a call that would have been that would have like benefited the Spurs like in a different way or you know been in your favor like they're they're gonna miss calls right. like they're gonna call a foul on something that wasn't a foul and you're not just James Harden someone's gonna get free throws out of it or they're not gonna call a continuation when they should have and there's two points you should have got for either team whatever like mm-hmm. these things just happen in the game and like you're never gonna be happy with the refs just straight up um unless it's like just so drastic in your favor for the entirety of a game which it's not like that was the case necessarily in that game either. So like I get why you're upset. I get why you even might want to file a grievance, but with their track record, I was about of, to ask you, like, what, what do you think? Like, do you think that like hurts them? The Rockets about complaining so much? Yeah. Like even with that Western conference, like report that was quote unquote leaked. Yeah. By the Rockets. It's, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. And it's just like you've said it so many times now that no one's even listening to you. That's a good anymore. point. And yeah. so that's why it's like, yeah, Adam Silver's probably like, just go play another game. Like, it's <laughs> it's a literally a game. If anything, this is like getting people to talk about it more, which I know it's, it's negative press, generally speaking, but on what level do we not say like, press is press yeah you know news is news ratings when ratings. Ra- ratings are down and yeah you kind of need a talking point on w- midweek game. did this make people watch less spurs basketball or less rockets basketball no because no one watches spurs basketball anyway <laughs> and the rockets basketball you probably want to tune in and see if james harden goes on a revenge tour um and you know does something to the refs in their next game so I, if anything like the rockets yeah you're right at the end of the day just play defense just don't <laughs> Just don't crap the bed um, for the last seven minutes of the game. Just do anything. Don't blow it in overtime twice. Like, again, you had so many opportunities. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you didn't get it done either. Don't let one moment of the refs not getting their job done excuse the fact that you had, like, 20 game minutes after this and you screwed the pooch on it. It really reminds me of the Cubs when the uh, uh, Barton 
you know, it was the fan interference. It wasn't called. Oh, yeah, yeah, And then they had, like, two disastrous plays right after Shit. that that led up, like, four runs. It was like, no, the fans screwed us over. It's like, no, just, like, Mess up catch, maybe that one play. fly ball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's... It, I think this moment is probably going to be so overplayed. And it is. And it's awesome. That's I love funny. it. I love it. Give me all the yeah. Twitter memes from yeah. it. And then... Uh, the second second bit of news was this Minnesota OKC game, <laughs> just crazy. The uh, the Jersey Gate um, with Jordan Bell checking into the game with his jersey untucked, um, and Chris Paul immediately recognizing it and um, just being a little tattletale Real to, question, to the ref. <laughs> how high was Jordan Bell when he came into the game? <laughs> he did not look like he was like <laughs> expecting to go in right there, right? Because there's a second left. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Ryan Saunders puts him in the game like we need to rebound here, all that kind of stuff, or or you know at least compete for it. So that way, OKC can't just easily grab it and go. So like, I get like the game plan of putting him in the game there, but yeah, he didn't look ready. Obviously, like not like not just with a jersey, but like just looking at his face, but. Also, just the fact that like Chris Paul like, called it out is hilarious. I love it. It's like the most like vet, like roster thing or vet like NBA player thing ever to do. And like afterwards, he had an interview. He was like, "Yeah, some refs will just like say like tuck it in and not call mm-hmm. it, but they called it." And like it worked. He knew out. Scott Foster would call that. Yeah, and it, he he. <laughs> that's the great thing is that Scott Foster and CB3 obviously have a track record together. Yeah. Um, but, like, <clears throat> the fact that he got the call and, like, everything just happened to fall OKC yeah. way. Like, again, play defense. <laughs> well, and Carlton Towns trying to miss the free throw. And made it. And, yeah, it just bounced around, hit off the backboard, came back and bounced around some more and then went in. Yeah, like, that's crazy. And then the dime that Steven Adams threw <laughs> is just incredible. Put him in at quarterback for OU in the playoff <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, and then Dennis Schroeder... Going up with the right hand, fading left mm. with 1.1 on the clock. Um, just incredible. Like, with a defender there, too. Like, that was a tough shot. Yeah. And so, like, it just, yeah, everything broke right. Got the game to overtime. And then OKC goes and wins in overtime. Yeah, that has to be one that Minnesota's going to yeah. kind of feel later on, I feel like. It's Probably. Like, man, we should have had this. And it helped that Wiggins, the killer of Oklahoma City, didn't say. play. Should have put him out there anyway. He still would have scored 40 on him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been his track record against Oklahoma City. But like that, just some crazy NBA game mm-hmm. stuff. If you haven't been paying attention, you got to pay attention to yeah. each every night. These few games. And then just every night for Luka Doncic. Um, oh, my goodness. He, it's just newsworthy. Um, so he finished November um, with a 30-point triple-double, which is incredible. Now he's um, matched Jordan for the most consecutive twenty five and five games. Um, like that's just stupid. Like you're in that kind of conversation now. Like you're in the James, like the modern, just how much you have the ball conversations of Giannis and Harden and LeBron. And now you're getting to the historical also uh, of Jordan. Like I think that's the perfect like summary of like what this kid's doing is like he's in those conversations. Yeah, and like. It- this just doesn't happen in every NBA player's second year. Does it happen in anybody's? <laughs> Happens in LeBron's. Yeah, and that and that's the crazy thing is, is like this guy is just he's just on another. He's so fun to watch at night in and night out, and it doesn't look 
the thing about it, it, he looks more like Steph Curry. It's not like super athletic like LeBron or Michael or Kobe even. He just like does it. He doesn't look like he's pace. working that hard. Yeah. yeah. It's like how stuff, it's like, does he sweat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Luca, like he sweats because he's fat, but like he doesn't sweat because he's working so hard. Right. So like, whereas LeBron's drenched by like two minutes into the first quarter. It, he's just so effortless yeah. out there. It's so fun to watch. And like his ball handling for, it's just, it's special. I'll say the moves he has, like he loves to step back, but now he's got like counter moves for teams like jump that. Yeah. Like he's just got other things he can do. His passing's incredible. He's making that Mavs team, which is really just an average roster outside of him and KP, look really, really good right now. Um, yeah, he deserves all the MVP recognition he should be getting. We've talked about this before, but just further emphasizing the fact that he's now added on to that conversation, yeah. which we've had before. Um, couple injury things uh, before we get into our main topics. Uh, Rodney Hood and their um, Blazers game against the Lakers the other day tore his Achilles. Mm. Um, we, we just kind of are going to assume he's out for the year. They haven't said that officially, I don't think, but he's out for the year. Um, Al Farouk Amino. Um, Allen definitely with a torn meniscus in his knee for the Orlando Magic. And John Morant is week-to-week with back spasms for Memphis. Honestly, it kind of sounds like he could get in there a little more, but they're like, why? Yeah. You know, what's the point um, besides just game, game reps? And at the way he's played, it doesn't look like he needs tons of game reps. He's kind of figured out what to do. I'm doing wrong. Every rookie should get game reps. But getting him 60 game reps instead of 68 is not going to hurt his development that dude's i mean head and shoulders above most of the rookie class yep and like yeah like you said it doesn't make sense like you can kind of load manage him on the front yeah. of his career and you don't have to yeah. do it as much on the back end of his yeah. career and and do not rush back injuries yes do not do that that is a terrible idea yep. um and i think there's some security in memphis with like they got the new head coach and he's just like i'm not gonna you know push this um too much and they still can put out a feisty little team. Um, Tyus Jones can come in and, and play and at least be competent as a backup point guard and run the run the offense, play reasonable defense, and it's fine. So like they can still put a scrappy team out there. It's very Memphisy. So for that for that city, Grit and grind plus threes now. Yeah, a little bit. Um, play more through Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll get into two main topics today. Um, some really good. Some really not so good. Um, so we'll start um, with the with the chaos at the bottom of the East, just because we like talking about chaos. Um, and then we'll get into the the better teams. So focusing on two who have had some um, not so good headlines uh, this week: the Knicks and the Cavs, um, both panicking already. Classic, doing their normal trash management. Um, we'll start with the Knicks, just because New York. Um, they fired David Fisdale on Friday. Um, after he, after he held practice with the team that day, like they were, like they were all buddy buddy. He had no idea that was coming on Friday. Um, did practice and everything. So that's uh, that was something very Nixy. My favorite thing about this is they send the interim head coach, they the, the the GM, president of the team, owner. Don't come out and talk. No. They don't bother to do that. They send the poor interim coach out there to answer questions about, about the firing. Yeah. Um, it's like, what are you doing here? Yes, that's a thing. Um, so David Fisdale was 21 and 83 in his year plus with uh, New York. 4 and 17 this year um, as of when he got fired. I mean, he was 17 and 65 
last year. So not good, but they expected to be not good um, last year. And it was getting progressively worse before Fizdale got there. And it's kind of just plateaued bad with Fizdale because it really can't get much worse. Um, unless you're trying to. So um, shout out Philly. Um, so you're right. Um, Mike Miller, not that Mike Miller. Um, was named the interim head coach. He was the G League coach um, of the Westchester Knicks for the last five years or so before bumping up to being on the coaching staff this year. So this guy's a longtime college coach. Mm. Um, and that's where he was the entire time in college before he came up to Westchester. Um, so the NBA is still like new to him. <laughs> like he has G League experience. He has head coaching experience, but not NBA experience. Um, and we'll talk with the Cavs here in just a moment about how that goes. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. So the real question is, did James Dolan just read an article about Nick Nurse and was like, yeah, let's try this. Yeah, um, it seems like it. Now, like, the dude's done well with Westchester. Yeah. Like, he got them to be, like, a, like a good G League team, um, which, considering the Knicks really don't care about the G League, is kind of impressive. Um, <laughs> so there, there's that, but at the same time, it's like, is this the guy you want running a team full of vets that you're unreasonably committed to? No. Is he a guy maybe for the young guys? Possibly, but you're not really investing in the young guys. So um, we'll talk about that more in a minute. So let's get back to the question we've been asking for a few months, Ryan. Um, what did management think was going to happen with David Fisdale in this season? Like, seriously, like you're asking, like I, we talked about on this podcast before is like, there's not really, we didn't ever really see a direction with the Knicks yeah. from player signings to coaching development. And part of that's on Fisdale. Yeah. Part of that's on the front office course it's like what so you drafted rj barrett and then like signed 15 power forwards and you're essentially like tying the coach's one hand behind his back and like giving him a water pistol when everyone else has like throwing knives and and katanas and lightsabers and whatever else you want to have and your point giving poor david fisdale like a half-filled water gun <laughs> to go like, yeah, go go win us like thirty games. Yeah, it's like I you know. want me to win with Marcus right. Morris running point guard. Like what? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, um, I would. Like I said, like if any coaching job came available, the next job is what I want. I would just have an egregious buyout because I <laughs> like after two seasons, I'm sitting in the Bahamas sipping a margarita, making well, 30 million for the next three years. Yeah. We're not having to do any work. Yeah, exactly. Like, why wouldn't you want the next job at this point? Like what, like what? Okay. You get fired in two years. Cool. Like, I, again, and no one's going to hate you for it. Like no one seems to like, I know there are some people who are critical of Fisdale and I'm reasonably critical of Fisdale, but like, it's not clearly his fault that this did not go well. Like he's going to go get another NBA job yeah. if he wants it, at least as an assistant coach. Um, if not, man, if ESPN could get him to come do television for the rest of oh this season. My God. Could you imagine like Stephen A. Smith and him talking for like an hour on first about take? The Knicks. Come on, let's like, go. I would tune in to watch First Take for the first time in like five years. <laughs> if they would do that. Yeah. Um, I think it'd be super fun. Um, that might be the whole, the best part of all this. Um, but getting back to what you were talking about, those free agent signings look like even more of a disaster now than they did at the time. And we were critical of them at the time. Like, you know, just one of them, we could have understood. Like, of all those power forwards and stuff. Two of them, okay. 
fine to get a little depth. But like three, four, five, bringing in Alfred Payton, bringing in Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock, you're like, what are you doing? Um, so it's like, yeah, it looks like even more of a disaster now than it did then. So that just, and that's not a Fisdale thing. No. Again, goes back mm-hmm. to the point, this is not a Fisdale thing. Now, with David Fisdale that we didn't talk about, he did not do a particularly good job managing all of this either. Like, the first couple games, I would say, it's like you could kind of see the feistiness of Morris, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson. You're like, okay, we could get down with this a little bit. But, and I, I'll, I will also say, I... R- at least somewhat liked what he was doing with RJ Barrett. Basically there came a point where like, like you're just gonna run pick and roll um, yeah. a bunch when you're out there. And I, I like that idea get him in more ball handling situations. And he's proven to be a more capable passer than a lot of people thought coming out of college just because he didn't have to do a lot of Duke because Duke is Duke. Um, but with this team, he got to do a little bit more of that type of playmaking. And, and I was enjoying that. Um, I mean, of course, he's going to have his rookie struggles because he's a rookie wing in the NBA, and those guys just take time to develop. But pretty much everything else, after like the fifth game of the year, it just went super downhill, and he had no control over it. I know Mitchell Robinson is going to foul out in like 12 game minutes, (laughs) but like you like think he did that all first year. Is there anything you can do this year to get him to play 20 minutes, 25 minutes without fouling out? And like, not really. It's like you were his coach last year, you were his coach again this year, and it's the exact same problems. Looks like the exact same player, which isn't necessarily 100% your fault, but it's like 60% your fault. It falls say. on you no matter it, what. It does. Right? Yeah, you would like to say like the player needs to work hard during the offseason and all that when he's on his own time, but like same time, what positions are you putting him in? Yeah. Too? Um, and then Dennis Smith Jr. looks like the same player. Again, I don't think that's a Fisdale fault, though, because he is the same thing in Dallas, and Dallas didn't want him. Um, and they pawned him off on you, and you got scammed. That's not a Fisdale problem. Um, yeah, trading the best but, player the Knicks have had in, like, 20 years isn't a Fisdale problem. Um, Surprise. But, like, you know, okay, you got to think, like, what is Dennis Smith Jr. good at? He's good at driving. He's good at cutting. And if you can get him to lock in, he can be a good defender. Okay? And then we just kept running him on ball, running pick and rolls, and it doesn't work because he's not a good decision maker and he's not a shooter. So like you border, like you've got to find a very specific role for him and Fisdale from what Knicks I did watch. I'm not going to act like I watched every game cause I did not want to watch that, but like they didn't put him in positions to succeed overly well either. Frank Nielakita like couldn't get off the bench for the longest time. And when he finally did, it was like, yeah, he struggles, but it's cause it's the first time you've really let him like, try and develop. And again, Fisdale has not been there the entire time they've had Nilakita, but he has been there recently and really did not help that situation at all. And I would like to have thought, okay, Fisdale, like you've, you've got guys who maybe aren't well-rounded players, but they could have good roles. And very rarely did I see him put any of their guys in good positions to succeed. So with what you had to work with, wasn't a lot. I loved your analogies. It's like trying to make Thanksgiving dinner with a thrown out half ham from Walmart. Like, right? Like, there's nothing there to really work with, but what little you did have to work with, you did not make the most most of it either. So, like, there is some of this that falls back on him, but if we want to blame 20% of the Knicks problems on on Fizdale, that's fine. But understand, there's 80% that has to be, blame has to be somewhere else. 
Yeah. And that's that's the bottom lines of all this. I think he did an okay job with Kevin Knox this year. He didn't just... He's let, looking better. He Knox is looking better. Like, let him run free reign like he did last year. But honestly, I, I, I just don't... Like, I don't love this roster. And... I, so then that's our next big question. Where, where do the Knicks go from here? Because they got basically a bunch of one-year deals on this team. Because everybody is signed to a team option for next year. So they got to find a way to, like, fire James Dolan. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, like, Does James Dolan trust Perry and Mill so much that if they told him you're fired, he would leave? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish. I, I, man, like, they need to find, like, some smart front office people. Convince some smart fr- front, off pe- front office people to come to the Knicks and, like, do what the Nets did. Is just, yeah. like... Go away for a couple years, not do dumb, make dumb decisions. Just let us run this team. Draft somewhat competently, mm-hmm. and then come out on the other side. And it's like, oh, you have some fun players on your team. Yeah. And then get James Dolan in Miami when you're meeting with free agents in New York. And be like, we'll pay you whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Just get him out of the room. Like, he's yeah. the issue. And, like, article after article have been stated, said this, but, like... I don't like who what coach is gonna say yes to this job I know like I made a joke earlier about like yeah just take the next job you're gonna get fired in two years but like in all seriousness like you're looking at top assistants what top assistants like yeah I want to leave the bench of I don't know the Clippers hear me out hear me out Jason Kidd oh my god Oh my Frank God. Vogel once he gets fired in LA and Jason Kidd takes his job? Is I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, realistically, like, who's. Like. I know. You couldn't. You had the opportunity to hire Mike Budenholzer a couple years ago when you instead hired Fisdale. Yeah. And you chose Fisdale. Because there's all the money at Budenholzer. Yeah. Like, I just. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this next team. Like, if I was R.J. Barrett, I would say I'm shutting it down and I'm not playing for you. <laughs> Done. Like, I'm pulling yeah. the KP at, at, like, find somewhere to trade me because yeah. I'm not playing for this team. Yeah. Um, it's tough. It's tough to think who's going to take this over. I mean, in the meantime, if, if they're really going to go all in on this Mike Miller thing, then you need to trade off these vets. Yeah. I mean, the trade deadline's coming around in about a week or, you know, opens in about a week. Um, so like you got Marcus Morris on a one year deal. Bobby Portis has a team option for next year. So you can get rid of that. And both of those guys are at 15 million. So like it's a lot, but at the same time, like it might make the money work a little easier than if they were at like four. Yeah. So, okay. You have that Taj Gibson's at 9.8 this year. Next year is a team option. Alfred Payton's only 1 million guaranteed next year. So you can trade him on a $8 million deal. Wayne Ellington's on a 7.8 next year's team option. You could trade Frank, but I would like you to keep Frank. Um, and then Reggie Bullock's on $4 million this year and only a million guaranteed next year. So, like, you could trade these guys, try and get back picks or assets or, you know, take swings on Dennis Smith Jr.'s of the world out there just to see what, you know, throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. But I don't know if they will. I still think they're going to, like, try and be competitive. It feels like they're warming up to trade for CP3 in a week. <laughs> like, it really, it does. Doesn't it? Like, they're panicking. Their front yeah. office doesn't know what to do. They just fired the... They trade draft picks. 
rather than <laughs> try and get drafted. The greatest thing, and I hope this happens because I want this player on the Thunder, is that they trade Kevin Knox to Oklahoma City Thunder for CP3. And they're like, we're out on Kevin Knox. Man, and again, I think he's been better this year. I'm not going to say he's been like good, good, but like he's pl- he's filling a role now um, that, he, like you said, he was just kind of running wild last year. They really let him do whatever he wants. But this year, he's like trying to just be a wing guy. Um, you don't have to have the ball in your hands too much. Be a shooter when you got it and you don't try and have play defense. To hook. Yeah. So, like, CP3 at 38 million, though. Gosh, just so much money. Um, for for him i mean if you could get them and if, i'm assuming oklahoma city wants money off the books you know long term um if you could get them to take like marcus morris okay knox is at like four and a half <laughs> and then you attach like taj gibson i don't man i don't know how you quite make the money work but maybe like alfred payton like and then the the Oklahoma City would have to attach like another player just for the sake of roster spaces, but like a minimum-ish type of guy, like a Mike Muscala or Nerlens Noel, like just to make money and and roster spots work. Like they could they could do that. Justin Patton's on a non guaranteed deal. Um, yeah, he could cut cut him right away. Like you know that could actually be a thing. I just like I but, like, feel like they're just reckless at this point. It's like giving a, a toddler the keys to a Camaro. Yeah. It's like you... Do you want to go fast? Yes. <laughs> you definitely don't want, want to do this. And, like, they've just enabled themselves, like, hardcore. And then they try and just be like, all right, CP3, RJ Barrett, your backcourt, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis... Or, I don't remember if I said Bobby Portis in that trade. Oh, uh, sure. Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and... Uh, Alonzo Trier, you're our front court. Oh, Let, let's let's go. Um, I, you know, it's it's probably more competitive, but then you have like no bench at all. Um, I mean, Frank, Wayne Ellington, yikes. Um, this is bad real fast. Um, Sal <laughs> Mitchell Robinson. Uh, but man, like, yeah, that that's just not. It's still way not a good team, but like. The idea of they're still trying to be competitive. Yeah. Because they're the Knicks. And they're not just going to say, screw it, tank. Yeah. Right? And, or they're at least not going to do the smart asset play, which is like trade these guys off, get picks or, and youngish players, guys that might actually be a part of your team long term. They're not going to do that. Hear me out. They trade for Carmelo. <laughs> they can't do it. Um, just like trade Alonzo Tree or something. That would be amazing. That'd uh, be peak Knicks. Trade Mitchell Robinson for Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'd be hilarious. That'd be so good. Um, they can't do that. They they literally can't. James Dolan would get murdered um, by some dude on the street. So I, I can't do it with this team. Um, Making fun of the Knicks is just brighten my day yeah. like a hundred times more. They, they do things, you know, Ryan. <laughs> um, let's go to a different team. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers that... Oof. They don't get quite all the laughs and giggles and, and memes on Twitter, but it's not like they're in much of a better situation. <laughs> um, so, report came out this week from, from Bleach Report that John Beeline, the you know longtime Michigan ha- head coach, now in his first year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, has lost the locker room there. Um, apparently, the idea is, yes, this team was very scrappy and everything at the beginning, I mean, kind of enjoyable. You're like, wow, they have five wins already? This is impressive. Um, and then they've just 
hardcore gone downhill um, as much as the Knicks have gone downhill. So have the Cavs. Um, treating this like a college program, um, acting like this is a multi-year thing whenever the NBA is not a multi-year ordeal, you got to make things happen like now-ish. Yeah. Um, either being too simple or too fundamental um, with everything. Now, there are a lot of young guys on the Cleveland Cavaliers who probably need some level of simplicity and, simplicity and consistency, but from the reports, it's just been going way too far. Like It's like literally he's acting like they're college freshmen who are playing like major basketball for the first time. And Kevin Love, it's probably over here like, <laughs> this is what I did in AAU when I was 16. <laughs> um, I'm like 34 now. So this is uh, a situation where like even the young guys they have I don't see Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Kevin Porter Jr. being like overly receptive to this either, right? All these high pedigree guys, um, two of those being top 10 picks. Porter has a talent of a top 10 pick. He just doesn't have his head screwed on right. And <laughs> therefore, he's probably not overly, you know, uh, open to all that John Beeline's yeah. doing. It's, it's kind of the point of this is a guy who's just never been in the NBA before. And he doesn't know how the NBA is run. He's never been like an assistant coach before. He's he's always been the head coach of a college program, just wherever. And you always saw with his teams, they were always pretty good defensively. The offense, it was good, but it usually didn't seem like they could win with freshmen. It always had to be juniors and seniors. And if a Jordan Poole type underclassman hit a few shots, that was cool. But it was always like a three, four year thing for John Beeline's teams. And it's like you don't have three or four years in the NBA to like really build something because guys come and go so much. What do you have to reteach it? Yeah. Every time. And you know, guard, you know, these veteran guards coming in are like, what do you mean we're calling a pick and roll polar bear? What what is that? No, we're not doing it that. Um so it's like you're not gonna get free agents. One, because they're Cleveland. Two, because no one's coming to that type of a program. They want to go to a team, not a program. Right. And three, they're like it, is this even working? Because we can't see any young guys develop because this is taking forever and a half. We can't just do ball handling drills in practice all day. <laughs> We're not in high school anymore. I just imagine like a team meeting. John Beeline walks in, plugs in a thumb drive for a PowerPoint. It's like just like white slides and like in just the most simple text, like basketball 101. Um, and it's like dribbling drills. Yeah, it is like keeping your head up. <laughs> Keep your head up. <laughs> um, protect the ball. Like, and it's literally ridiculous. Um, but we can't say we didn't see this coming, right? Like we respect John Beeline as a coach. Yeah. But he he works really well in college. Um, I I did hear an interesting question um, raised: Is do we think this is a Colby Altman hire or is this a uh, a Dan Gilbert hire? Because we know before Altman, Dan Gilbert chased Tom Izzo. He loves the state of Michigan. Um, so was this a Dan Gilbert? Like he's like, Tommy is not coming here. Fine, John Beeline's really good too. Let's go get a, a Michigan guy in here. I or, mean, or is this just like a Colby Altman was just trying to find like the best guy available, and John Beeline was like one of the few guys willing to take the job. And I, we don't know. I don't, that's a good question. It, it, it's such a like I felt like it was a strange hire in the summer. And it's still, like, it feels weird now. Like, it, the fit never felt right. Yeah. Like, John Beeline's an older guy. And, like, you would really, I think, want, like, a Ryan Saunders type in there. For that team. Who, like, is younger and 
can kind of is is more into the modern NBA than what John Beeline might be. And might yeah, no, be connect with the players. Tom Sexton and Darius Garland with two top ten picks, and you're gonna have them run a traditional college style program that scored like sixty points a game <laughs> in college. No, like yeah. you're not. Like yeah. you didn't draft for that. You haven't built your team for that. The team is not where it is for that. Yeah, I, I, maybe in a different situation, John Beeline could work in the NBA. But maybe this is just going to be a real quick, oh, yeah, this is not the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, like, some coaches have made it. Like, Billy Donovan's kind of been successful. But yeah. he's, a, I don't, like, he has a lot of players in the NBA. Like, yeah. John Beeline doesn't have that many players. Because Michigan guys go four years, and the yeah. NBA doesn't draft four-year guys. Right. Like, who's the most prominent Michigan player? I mean, like we said, Jordan Poole. Um, Trey Burke was a top 10 pick, but really has not worked out in the NBA. Yeah. Um, Glenn Robinson, the third is like maybe starting for the bad golden state warriors. Now, like the point being like, there just aren't a ton of Michigan guys around the league. Yeah. And I think that's probably some of it is like, I think once you get like the reputation of being a good coach in the NBA players, more than likely listen to you. Yeah, And I mean, that's the way it is with any job. Like, if you have a boss that, like, you hear good things about, you're more than likely to listen to that boss or leader. Well, and even, like, Billy Donovan, like, at least, and this is getting back to your other point, like, the pros he had in the NBA, like, kind of have weight with their words. Yeah. Like, if Bradley Beal, you know, someone from OKC picked up a phone called Bradley Beal, be like, hey, what's Billy Donovan like? Bradley Beal's words, like, carry weight. Like, no, he is a really good dude, a really good coach. You should listen to him. Um, He doesn't, like, he's great to have. But, like, no one's calling, like, you know, Glenn Robinson the third, being like, hey, what's John Beeline like? You know? I don't think Colin Sexton's texting with Glenn Robinson and being like, so what's this coach like? Yeah, no, he's not, you know, hitting up Trey Burke. Like, hey, how does he like pick and rolls? Yeah. You know? So, like, there's there's nothing like that's really helped Gene, John Beeline either. So it's like, is it his fault for taking the job? No. They paid him a lot of money. And right. he's going to get paid the same way Devin Fisdale's going to get paid. He's going to go back to a college program. Um, or an analyst job or something and enjoy it. And if he wants to get back into coaching a little bit, sure. But he doesn't have to because he's going to make another like $20 million doing a whole lot of nothing for the next three years um, once he gets fired, probably at the end of the year. So um, big point here, same ending point we had the Knicks is, do the Cavs need to sell off their vets? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know like what you can get for Kevin Love, like what his market is right now. Just because his contract's so big. Yeah. Um, I feel like Portland's been the rumor team for like 10 years now to get Kevin Love. I, there might be something there now that Portland's struggling a little bit. They found some rhythm this week with Carmelo of all players. And I kind of like Carmelo at the four more than I do the three. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean. It, Unless Love's playing the five for them. Yeah. I, I, I just don't know like what the fit and where the fit is for Love. I, maybe Orlando, but I feel like that's kind of a stretch too. They have a lot of bigs there. You'd be playing Aaron Gordon at the three. Yeah, um, where even, he wants to play. Yeah, if you could even keep you know him in that deal. Yeah, for Kevin Love. Um, but yeah, the fact that Kevin Love's got this year and then three more years at basically thirty million a year. Oof. Is like just tough. Yeah. For a team to take, um, even though he is a good player. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe the Cavs, like, really... Because everyone knows he's a good basketball player, but, like, try and, like, pl- do the Anthony Davis thing. Of, like, you're playing, like, 25 minutes. Yeah. And that's it. Like, we're not putting you out there for more than we need to. Just coming off a major injury last yeah. year. Don't want to yeah. injure again. Yeah. Essentially protect your asset. Yeah. Um, But, like, there are teams that really 
could go after him if they if they really um, wanted to. I could see, you know, Brooklyn got desperate. Brooklyn wants to make a move. They they could have enough guys between like a Dinwiddie or Levert, um, Joe Harris types to like do a deal. There there are teams out there if they really wanted to find one, they could. They might not get as much back as they probably want, um, and and a lot of those deals. But if they really wanted to trade Kevin Love, they could find somebody to take. He has enough equity around the league for someone to vouch for him. And be like, no, if you if you want to trade for him, let's go get him. Yeah, it kind of feels like more trade deadline type of deal for him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like the Cavs also have Tristan Thompson, who has played well this year. So I feel like he can. Can we get some sort of three way deal involving them and the Spurs? <laughs> Going on, please, for Kevin Love. <laughs> Involving LaMarcus Aldridge. Please. Just dump him to the Cavs. I'll, you know, I want to be nice to LaMarcus and send him somewhere else to the Cavs, but, I mean, they could just do that, too. I I mean, like, I don't... Man, talking about the spacing on that court with Colin Sexton and uh, God. Darius Garland right now who can't hit anything and LaMarcus Aldridge and Tristan Thompson. Jimmy Osman. That's tough. Oof, but like that makes that gives me a headache. But like there are guys on this team like worth trading for. You were starting to say Tristan Thompson, who's had a a good year so far. Better, really helping his uh, trade value. Jordan Clarkson's a scorer. He's a bench scorer, which there are teams who can use that. If Philly could somehow figure out a way to get him, they probably would. Um, I just don't know if they have the contracts for it. Larry Nance is on a multi-year deal, so he may not be tradable. But the number's fine, like twelve million a year as a bench big. Um, Alfonso McKinney's at mm. like the minimum. Um, you could buy him out or someone could trade you a second round pick for him or something. John Henson on uh, Ante Zizic, like Delvadova, like there are guys on this roster who like for the right price could help a team um, trying to make a playoff push uh, or who's trying to make a championship push. So like if they're willing to do it, there are going to be trades available to the Cavs and the Knicks. I, I feel like the Cavs would be more willing to sell off than the Knicks would. Yeah, I mean they've done it before. They did it with LeBron yeah. midseason. They just traded off everyone. Yeah, and like the crazy thing is, isn't J.R. Smith still technically on this team? Is he? Um, he <laughs> they haven't like be. officially cut him that I've seen, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know what J.R. Smith. I have no idea with him. Maybe they um, released him and they they're just have. paying. Uh, but like it just feels like it's just like so indicative of the, this Cavs team that they're not able to like trade off a a wing player who you need like in yeah. the NBA to win a championship. Like you could trade J.R. Smith for something. I feel like even if it's a second round pick. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, uh, the Cavs are. they both of these teams are comp- not competent. Yeah. The Cavs are maybe a little more competent than the Knicks, and that's not saying much. Yeah. So let's talk about some good teams then, because... Thank God. <laughs> although those others are fun to talk about because of how bad they are. Like, it's it's so bad, it's good. Mm. Um, these two teams are actually just good. Um, borderline great. So we'll talk about the Bucks and the Lakers. Just since we were, you know, a good solid month, month and change into the... Regular season now, um, you you start to see like some of the flukiness has worn off for like teams like the Suns and everything and and those type teams, but we we see the Bucks and the Lakers now at the time of this recording both sitting at twenty and three, um, <laughs> running rough shot through everybody. Uh, Love it. So Milwaukee has won fourteen straight after starting six and three. 
those three losses to Miami, Boston, and Utah. Pretty two, good teams. Yeah, two of those on the road. Um, so there's that. And then uh, the Lakers, again, only three losses are to Dallas, Toronto, and the Clippers. So again, good teams. Good teams. Um, and both teams, like, yeah, they had a couple other close ones, but with great players, you're able to win the close ones. Um, so we'll start with Milwaukee. Let's keep this East thing yeah, going. Yeah. So, uh, Ryan, what's working for Milwaukee? What do you like about this team? Man, team defense. That's, like, yeah. one thing I just love about this Milwaukee team. Like, they're not apologetic about just playing great defense. They lead the league in defensive rating, uh, and they're also one of the best teams offensively, uh, but they're, like, second or first in net rating, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but this team's defense, led by Giannis, is just so good. Yeah, the fact that like he didn't win defensive play of the year, it's like pissed him off. Yeah. And then like he's coming back like trying to win it this year. Like that's awesome for someone who just won the MVP. You just be like, you know what? I won an MVP. It's fine. He's like, no, it's not fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, doing what James Harden should have done against the Spurs yeah. and Woo. play defense. Um, what, what, what about you, Matt? What do you like? So I think this is a really solid team behind Giannis. I I still don't know if this team has like a number two guy. Yeah, but. They have like a bunch of number three and four guys, which on some level, like I think is really good. And they're all pieces that seem to fit. Um, we can criticize certain guys for not stepping up in playoff situations or, you know, injury prone guys or whatever. But like for the most part, I like the roster. I like the roster. I like the construction of the roster. I think they've done a really good job building the team. It fits Giannis. And I think that's the, the biggest point I like about them because it goes to making a good team. If you can have a good team, I generally believe in you and if you have a good team with a star on it then i really believe in you like you're a championship team yeah i mean like it's just so cohesive they have so many pieces returning from last year very little turnover on this team and it's it's really remarkable what this team is doing it looked like out the gate they weren't going to be as dominant and then they came out and won 14 straight and it's just it's a lot of fun watching them and even the guys they have brought in this year like robin lopez pro kyle corver pro um, so it's like uh, Wes Matthews, pro. Like those aren't guys that are going to take 50, 40 games to like figure out what their role is on the team and like get it through their head. It's like no, they just know. Yeah, they just know. Along with the the guys they brought back, which is a solid roster anyway. And then you get a couple young guys starting to contribute, like Dante Divincenzo, DJ Wilson. Like it it just makes for a really nice blend. And and they just have everything you could want in building a team going into the right direction. And we've been talking about they have a couple year window to really capitalize and so far they are so then is this sustainable that's the, that's the big question not just this year but long term let's focus on this year i think more than likely at least for the regular season yeah i'll, I'll leave i'll say probably leave it there I, I i like you said i have some reservations about this team going to the playoffs um but for the regular season i don't see why they can't be this dominant or better yeah um i i think so and it, it's ultimately because no one can stop Giannis. just <laughs> straight up nobody can um if you he, can find someone who can defend Giannis, let me know because yeah. i'd love to know that person i mean pascal might be the closest thing in the east anyway yeah um but it's really not just no um <laughs> so i think alone Giannis is like i'm getting 55 wins and then the team is good enough to like tack on another 10. Yeah. Um, so there's, yeah. And that's not like an exaggeration either. No, that's just steep blood pace to win. I mean, a lot of games, something like 60, 70. 65 to 70 games right now. Yeah. Um, it honestly might even just depend on like 
if they turn it off at the end of the year to like rest going into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so that's like the pace they're on. So because Giannis is, unless, I mean, of course we're, we're assuming he's not going to get hurt because he's a physical Marvel out there. I'm just going to assume he's just not going to let them lose games. They, you know, shouldn't lose like against the Atlantas of the world. He's going to win all those games. He's, they're going to win a lot of the games that would be tougher. And there's going to be the select handful of games that are just like, we just got to give the other team credit. Mm-hmm. And that's the only games they've lost so far this year. So I, I expect us to pretty much just keep going and playoffs. I think they're fine through the first round and yeah. 90% sure they're fine through the second round. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of depends on what their draw is. Um, I think they're more than likely going to lock up the one this year. Yeah. I don't really see anybody catching them. I mean, the East, and, and we'll briefly talk about this, is like good. Like, <laughs> yeah. one to six is really good in the East. It's not a crap fest like we thought it might yeah. be. Um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of the interesting thing. Boston's better than what we thought they would be. Toronto. Toronto's really freaking good. Oh, Miami. <laughs> Miami. You you called that one with Jimmy yeah. Butler in the Miami Heat. Bam. Um, bam. <laughs> uh, you, Brooklyn can kind of make things interesting. Philly, of course, is there. Not as good, not as cohesive or as good as we thought. Um, we kind of talked about that on the preseason pod. Is like we gotta, yeah, we gotta see this before we make it yeah. like official, and that's really coming to life. But still, the East, like every team, is kind of interesting. If you drew like Toronto in the second round, like that'd be a. I, I think. They are better, but that'd be a really tough out. Yeah. And, and Toronto obviously like has the blueprint for beating really good teams. So you you would give them probably a game in that series for sure. But like I couldn't even say for sure that Toronto win, would win two games in that series against the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, they were, we forget what they were up 2 0, 3 0. Yeah. 2-0, 2-0 on Toronto. And then Kawhi just took over that series. Yeah. If, Pascal Siakam hits that quite level of just taking over a series, then like hats off to you, but I don't see that Probably step. Not. Probably not. So then, Ryan, what else do you want or need to see out of the Bucks this year? <clears throat> I'm going to say this very clearly. Eric Bledsoe not be on this <laughs> roster come playoff time. <laughs> uh, I, I alluded to it earlier, and uh, there it is. It's very clear and bold. Um, yeah, Eric Bledsoe is uh, kind of a mess. Like... Uh, He's shooting like 32% from three this year, and that's like the exact opposite of what you want on a point guard around Giannis. Like, honestly, I mentioned CP3 earlier because I'm a Thunder fan, but do you think about going after CP3 and just like going all in? It's tough to make the money work um, for, for Milwaukee on that and then it's com- but it is showing Giannis like hey he's here for the next couple of years so like we're committed to trying to make this happen for the next couple of years um so it's not like the craziest idea I've ever heard um in terms of a CP3 destination but, like that would have to be a Eric Bledsoe you'd probably have to trade Lopez to make the money work yeah and still have to attach like Ilyasova um yeah it-, it kind of feels like this team needs more Gallinari, if you're going to pick a player from Oklahoma City, Gallinari, Which, then CP3. I think you could. Th- that's just Eric Bledsoe and Urson Ilyasova. Yeah. Like, that's you'd all give, you have to do to make that, that work. Up in a heartbeat. Yeah, for Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. Point guard. 100%. Um, if anything, that's a move. Yeah. Um, I could see the Bucks realistically doing. Um, and Thunder, you get a pick out of it. And, you know, Eric Bledsoe is like not a 
bad basketball player. Um, put him next to Shea. Like, could be a fun defensive backcourt if you get him to buy in. Like, it, it could be something, but at least it's cap relief long-term yeah. um, going forward because Ilyasova's um, deal next year is not guaranteed. So you could get rid of him real fast. Um, and for some reason, Eric Bledsoe is for always tradable. So if you want to get rid of him, you could. Um, so, like, yeah, that, that's actually kind of a thing. I wouldn't mind that. Um, I If Giannis likes him, though, you don't do the deal. I think that... I don't know if Giannis like really enjoys playing with him or not, but if there's even a slight doubt, yeah, do the deal. Yeah, do the deal. Um, for me, I said go get a true shooter. Mm. Um, I I don't know who that is. Like the the JJ Redick idea came to my head, um, but I don't know if they would really do it, if New Orleans would do that deal because um, they want to see it with Zion, but like that type of a guy, um, an Avon Fournier, yeah, maybe a Terrence Ross type. I just someone who's just like I'm a bucket getter. I I will shoot the lights out here. Um, I love that idea. They went and got Corver, but like Corver is not good for more than ten minutes a game at this point. Um, it's nice for the playoffs, just like a situational thing. But like, I w- I would like to see more of it. Um, so therefore, go get someone, in, or just get more out Brook Lopez. Dude's yeah. doing like twenty seven percent from three right now. I think that will get better. And if all of a sudden he starts knocking down thirty eight percent. Then maybe you don't feel the need to go make that trade. Yeah. But if for some reason we're at you know the forty game mark and and it's still in under thirty, you might need to go make that deal. Just another wing guard type that'll that'll hit shots. Um, you don't have to ask for more than fifteen minutes a game out of them, but just somebody. That's what I would like to see from Milwaukee. Just a, a little bit more dynamic player for that team for that offense. Yeah, you kinda, we know the defense is gonna be good. You kind of need to fill that Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. someone who's just like okay Giannis for some reason isn't hitting or they're triple teaming him we've seen someone else literally chuckle make a basket yeah Malcolm Brogdon was doing it in the playoffs um, when Chris Middleton wasn't so let's assume Chris Middleton's not doing that again um, <laughs> or he's going to do that again and not get buckets so then with the Los Angeles Lakers so obviously really good LeBron and AD has been everything Lakers fans could have dreamed of and more honestly um, so let, let's just get into it. What's working for LA? What do you like about this team? I mean, what's working is LeBron is fully engaged this season. He really and, cares. And, like, you can tell. Like, it's yeah. night and day difference between last season and this season. And The energy he has. The energy he has every night. He's bringing it. Uh, he He's having fun. Like, you can tell he's having fun on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And I think as, like, upper management, as a head coach, this is what you want to see. The, when you're, I don't know. 14 and 6. The difference between 14 and 6 and 20 and 3 is like night and day. Yeah. And like that's the thing. Like as long as LeBron's happy, you're not in the media. You're not having to answer questions about uh, is LeBron happy with you, coach? Like are, are you is he like managing the game for you? And all these like weird questions that come with being LeBron's coach. I, it just it makes life a lot easier. And obviously like. Going forward, it makes life easier for the Lakers trying to secure home playoff seating, which we were kind of iffy about coming into the season. Yeah, like it wasn't guaranteed, but obviously um, it it's going to happen yeah. this year. And so, in the question um, of what do I like to see, I think the chemistry is really good. Mm. So, like top to bottom, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the Jared Dudley, Alex Crusoe's of the world, um, KCP's kind of started to figure it out a little bit. The Dwight Howard thing hasn't fallen apart yet. JaVale hasn't fallen apart yet. 
Um, Avery Bradley, when he was healthy, was good. He's been out um, with an injury, but he was working. Like, just it's it's easier to play basketball when LeBron and AD are on your team. Yeah. So that that's part of it. Um, Rondo's been pretty good. So I like the team. I like the team more than I thought I would like the team. Mm-hmm. Um, a part of it's just LeBron and AD are just making the game so easy for everybody. So like, hey, just go defend. Yeah. You don't have to play offense. Just go defend because we'll score all the points. Or like. Hey, you know what, CP3, just shoot the three. Um, we'll either get the offensive rebound or we'll stop them on defense. It's yeah. fine, just shoot it. Um, and just like having that confidence as a player, I think has been really helpful. Um, even like, I think Troy Daniels, I saw like a Troy Daniels interview. Um, <laughs> uh, he was like, yeah, I just have to come, I just have to shoot. I, I play my game and that's what they tell me they need and they tell me to keep shooting. And it's like, there are some games, he'll go like five for nine. There's some games he'll go 0 for three because he doesn't really get in very much. But on the games he's hitting, it's, like, incredible. Um, and it's just, like, the, everyone on this team just kind of plays that way. Like, I just get to go play my game because LeBron and AD can make up for anything and everything, and I'm just gravy. Well, yeah, that's kind of the fun part, like you said, is, like, your roles are so defined with this team. Like, you know what it is. It's yeah. not like you're trying to be – it's not like Danny Green's out there trying to be LeBron. He just gets to be Danny Green, yeah. run around, defend, and shoot. And, like, that's the fun part about – I mean, it, it – playing with one of the best players of all time yep um so then ryan i i think i know your answer already but is this sustainable barring injuries yeah uh looking at their strength of schedule it's the bottom half of the week like it's in the bottom half of the league and remaining strength of schedule it's like i think like somewhere in the 20s i want to say yeah um you get to play the knicks twice i think you still have <laughs> calves once on your schedule like it there's not like a difficult, like ultra difficult stretch of the schedule. I would say yes, and what? like you can kind of load manage LeBron now that you have this ridiculous record. So yeah. like coming up after Christmas, like you can rest him a couple games, you can rest AD a couple games, yeah. and not feel like you're having to catch up to the Clippers or Rockets or whoever it is. Yeah, um, the West is not as good as we thought it would be. Yeah, I'd say again the top six are still obviously gonna be really good, but like seven through the bottom is like it's there are a couple teams that are like interesting like minnesota is interesting phoenix is interesting of course the spurs if they kind of figure it out like those type of teams sure but for the most part like you're like we could handle any of those teams if one of these two stars was sitting down yeah um and i also don't think we'd saw that for the west or for la this year um so that's definitely helpful um i think i feel slightly more confident with milwaukee mm. than i do la um but like I said, nobody in the West is really dominating otherwise. Like, honestly, the team that's given the most problems is the Mavs. Um, <laughs> it, the, they barely, they lost him once, and then the other time they barely beat them. I think they it was had an overtime. overtime. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, probably it's like Denver hasn't figured it out yet. Obviously, like, Jokic didn't. And the way we were talking about Giannis, like, came back pissed that he didn't win the defensive um, most valuable player. Like, Jokic did not come back pissed that he did not win MVP. Like, well, he did. He just ate his feelings. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, you know, part of me is like, okay, Denver hasn't stepped up. Houston's, like, had a little bit, you know, and we knew it would be an adjustment getting Westbrook in there. Um, but that's still a little rocky. Like, Utah hasn't been what we all hoped Utah would be. Obviously, Portland's down. Like, Clippers are just going to take time. But they're really good. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of the regular season, like, I don't know if they'll catch the Lakers. So, like, I think I feel more confident in Milwaukee, but if no one else in the West wants it, the Lakers are just kind of going to get this number one spot. Um, yeah. Like, they're, like, they're earning it, for sure. Yeah. But 
no one else is making them sweat for it. Right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the thing is like, I feel, I would feel really good about this. And like, even the complaints we had about the roster going into the season might not be as big of a deal, at least in the They're, they're not season. as big of the complaints as I have then or now that I, that I have about Denver, Houston, and any of those other teams. Right. Um, besides the Clippers. So what else do you need to see from the Lakers? Or what do you want to see from the Lakers? I mean, just like extended, continued, good bench play. Yeah. Uh, like Dwight Howard, don't ask for post-ups for the love of God. Like yeah. c- continue doing, do what you're doing. KCP has kind of stepped it up. Like you said earlier, um, the point guard situation has kind of just not been a factor or an yeah. issue yet. Queen Rondo, Queen Cook, um, Caruso. It's yeah. been good enough. It's been fine. Yeah. And like, I think that's the biggest thing is like, okay, so what's your like hard seven, eight man rotation going to the playoffs? Like you got to figure that out now that you have yeah. this like tw- so ridiculous, like record to start the season. Like, I want to know like, what are your guys going to the playoffs? Because, like, the Clippers have whatever it is, it's better. <laughs> Probably. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, it's And it's that three through eight or yeah. three through nine, whatever. that Like, that favors the Clippers. Um, but it's like the Lakers, like, it's not bad, though. Yeah. That, it's, it's still yeah. really good. It's good. Um, as long as they continue to play like how they have been and keep their heads on straight like how they have been, then it's, it's probably fine. But... That's a big if, considering all those guys on that team. Yeah, I just kind of want to see this team lose like three or four in a row and see what their reaction is. Like, get punched yeah. in the face and see what like what comes back. But maybe they're too good or no one else is good enough to do that to That's them. That's true. So They might just win, win the NBA yeah. championship. Um, just have one of those years where they never lose more than like two straight games. Yeah. Um, so for me, I would like to see a more competent third guy. Mm. I know Kuzma's still kind of coming back mm-hmm. from injury, um, and he's looked okay. Um, but there are games where like it feels like he doesn't play, and that's it's kind of a knock on Kuzma, mm. kind of a compliment though to LeBron and AD. Like they just make everyone else seem like role players because ultimately they are. Um, I don't know. Someone maybe more established and playoff ready. Um, would be useful for this team. I don't know if they can really make a trade happen or, or not. I, I know they're going to look because LeBron's going to tell them to. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if they could really pull something off this year um, without trading like KCP. And, you know, I just don't know if they'll trade KCP. Um, I don't think they really can. He'll just be <laughs> That's like, LeBron's guy. He'll just be like, no. Um, so, like, they don't really have tradable mm. contracts and guys to get someone like that. Um, so it's just going to ultimately be Kuzma finding a rhythm a little bit more, finding how to play with them, mm. um, but also then AD playing the five. Yeah. Just straight up. Um, so I don't know if that'll fully happen. I don't know if it'll fully matter, but if that's something I want, um, I could see getting better is who's like the third. Yeah. For when AD and LeBron do start sitting down for rest games, who who steps up? I assume it's Kuzma, but... Is it fluid or is it like, and then he's able to go back to his role of 10 to 12 points a game when both those guys are in, or is he going to be disgruntled or just not able to get in that basketball rhythm? I don't know. So just that more consistency from Kuzma or whoever that guy is. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Both these teams are just fascinating to me. I'm interested to see how the season ends for them. And what these teams look like uh, going into the playoffs. 
Matt, do you have anything you want to add before we end it off? I think I'm pretty solid. Pretty good. Yeah, that was a good podcast. We got to crap on two two of our favorite teams to crap on, and uh, we got to praise some teams for doing good things, which we do occasionally on this podcast. Uh, there, there is good basketball played. There is good basketball. We just like making fun of bad basketball, bad, poorly run teams. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Couch GM Podcast. Remember, you can find us on social media and uh, any podcast platform of your choosing. Uh, let us know how we did in this episode. Tweet us or something. I don't know. We'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 57. We'll see you back for episode... Yeah.